Hi there, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And this is The Trek-In, a weekly-ish podcast talking all things Star Trek. This week, we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 6, Scavengers. So let's get into it with the recap. We open on the Discovery, which has spent the last few weeks going through a refit. Programmable matter, detached nacelles, and a new registration, NCC-1031-A. Saru addresses the assembled captains and the Admiral, affirming that Discovery and its crew stand ready to serve. Admiral Vance starts assigning the captains their missions. The Discovery is held in reserve as a rapid responder, since the Emerald Chain is active near Argeth and they may be needed. The other captains are informed of the spore drive and instructed to keep it secret. The crew experiment with their new badges and the new programmable matter interfaces on the bridge when Book's ship enters the distortion field, with no Book, only Grudge the Cat. Book has gone MIA while looking for a Federation black box for Michael. Burnham wants to rush to the rescue, but Saru denies her request as they need to be ready at a moment's notice for their mission. Burnham recruits Giorgio to assist her in a rogue mission to find Book and the Black Box, which leads them to a planetary salvage yard run by Tolar, the nephew of the Emerald Chain's leader. They pose as buyers looking to salvage 23rd century technology. They eventually discover a captured Book and formulate a plan to break him and the other prisoners out after watching one of the prisoners meet an unfortunate end. Back on the Discovery, Tilly bonds with Grudge, sort of. Saru discovers that Burnham has defied his direct orders and discloses her insubordination to Admiral Vance. Adira upgrades the spore drive interface. Stamets bonds with them, and Adira discloses Gray's presence. Gray is pleased with this as Adira really needs friends. Back at the salvage yard, Giorgio and Burnham destroy the drone that is monitoring them. They are quickly apprehended, and Tolor and his goons take them back to Book's ship. They are in the middle of taking the ship's supply of dilithium when they are interrupted by the prison break. Giorgio and Burnham use this distraction to gain the upper hand, though during the fight Giorgio freezes up and collapses. A vision of blood flashes through her mind. They save Book and his injured Andorian friend, and everyone escapes. Burnham tries to talk to Giorgio about what has happened, but gets pushed away. Back on Discovery, Book thanks Burnham, and they finally kiss after a momentary interruption from Linus. Then it's off to the firing squad. Admiral Vance dresses down Saru and Burnham. The only reason that Burnham doesn't end up in the brig is because she saved lives. Vance leaves her discipline up to her captain. Saru fires Burnham as his first officer. So sad. That ending sequence was emotional. I... I the sequence where we saw Saru just like, I, it's not that I'm angry. I'm just really disappointed in you, Michael. And Michael was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. Just, I, I'm not fit for this job. I'm going to go and get my own show. But it, you, this episode still showed the concept of what we've been talking about. And now they're even doing it in a narrative. Separate Michael from the ship and let Discovery have its plot and have Michael have her own plot. And I feel like by doing this, you've allowed that even more so. I hope they don't make it about uh, Burnham's redemption to be first officer. She shines the best in episodes like this when she's out with Philippa. In fact, Philippa and Burnham in this episode, their banter, I mean, just the way they interact, their chemistry on screen was the highlight of, of this for me. And that's being said, on top of Discovery getting an entire massive re- re- uh, refit that makes the ship look so good. The Discovery's redesign makes me very, very happy. And at first, I was very like, why are they giving it a fucking A? It doesn't deserve an A. Did did the Star Trek The Motion Picture get an A when it refit the Constitution class? No. So I was going to be very angry. But this really is almost a completely different ship. They redid the entire secondary hull. They redid the next sequence. They redid the nacelles. The whole ship looks very different. So I will, I'm going to take it as a completely different ship. And it deserves to be an A. Um, so yeah, that's my initial first thoughts of the whole thing. Also, uh, Book and Burnham kiss. Boom, boom, boom. 
What do we think about the refit? I love the refit. I love the refit. I love the detachable nacelles. I love the fact that it looks like it's from the movie Tron. Uh, the neck looks more like a galaxy class starship when you're looking at it from the back. The whole box secondary hull uh, middle section is gone, making it more streamlined. The impulse engines are gorgeous. Cutouts from the from the nacelle um, struts look so much better than they did before. The saucer doesn't have those weird like spokes in the middle of it. it. The color is right. Doesn't have that disgusting weird copper thing that makes me think like it's just an old old ship lying in the middle of somewhere, getting moldy out in the in the center of space. Now it looks like shiny uh, bluish gray silver highlights, and I want Eagle Moss to make it right now. How do the detached nacelles work? Like I assume that they're probably kept together by the shields. Like how does that? I'm not sure how that works. How this works in the overall scope of the universe, other than looking really cool, I, I don't know. We'll see. It does look cool. It does look really cool. You know I'm not a big fan of Discovery's design. Now I am finally a fan of Discovery's design. I'm, I'm glad that it finally came around for you. Yeah, took three fucking years. The new badges are cool. Uh, tri- they're called Tricom badges? Yes, Tricom badge, because they're tricorders, communicators, and emergency transporters. Personal transporters, not emergency transporters. And they have hollow pads. Yeah, hollow interfaces, which are really fucking cool. I, I mean, like, I, I admit, like, I think we as the audience kind of were there in the shoes of the bridge officers when everyone, like, pulled them out. Um, and they were doing the the gestures in order to do it. Like, there's the double tap for the transporter. There's the pull for the holographic display interface, like... And then you play with that. I mean, like, it's it's a freaking Iron Man's dream. I mean, this is like Stark tech. My favorite part, my favorite part about this whole thing is that they have new badges. They are keeping the uniforms. <sighs> See, why'd you have to go and do that? I'm here having a good time, trying not to think about that, trying not to sit and be triggered by that. And there you go. You go and trigger me. You go and trigger me. Those uniforms are the most disgusting thing ever designed on a Star Trek show. And I saw the uh, the motion picture. Those uniforms were not the best either. But oh my fucking God. Why are we keeping them? Why are we resolving to this? I get upgrading the technology in every way. Don't you think you'd want to be a part of Starfleet? Like, aren't you really a part of Starfleet? I, I do wonder what like the in-universe reason for them keeping the old uniforms is. It do- that That doesn't make too much sense to me. They fixed Discovery up. Why are they not giving the new uniforms down? Delete that. Fuck that shit. So how do you actually feel about the new uniforms like that everyone else has? The the 32nd, 33rd century uniforms? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I know I'm always bitching about that. They're better than than Discovery's uniforms by, by far. I'll take them over that. But comparatively to all other uniforms, I, I, I could see the evolution. I miss the horizontal lines, and I, but I, I feel like the vertical stripe is an evolutionary process from the old Trek, so I can I can take it. Um, I like that the, the color factions have evolved because it's not just uh, red, um, blue, and yellow anymore. Now there's white, um, and there was um, an, another color that like was there too. But like it's so there there's other factions now, and there's other command colors. So I, I dig that. Definitely on board with it. I think my only issue is the drab nature of the way the, the the tunic hangs over the pants it it's very medical um almost like you know you're in a hospital it is it's very 
it's like a very it's very sterile gray yeah very sterile gray um and i think the environment that they're in is very sterile hospital gray too so it matches it flows i want to see our crew in these uniforms and i'll make a final decision uh, about whether i i really like them or not uh I think I, I like the Admiral's uniform the best, though I would love to see some modifications of that as well. Uh, I think it needs some black in there. I think I, I, and I, I think I'd be happier. Everything is just sterile gray. So, But I still think it's better than gold and dark blue. We know. We know. Let's talk about Michael and Giorgio, because that mother-daughter banter was amazing 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 every single every single line that Giorgio was having uh was just beautiful and her legitimate reaction michael burton's legitimate reaction was great like going to get an espresso and yapping about caffeine you know like just being just so annoyed with your mom like anyone who's had a conversation with their own parents and just like i just i can't, don't know what to do with you i'm just uh, i'm gonna have some caffeine now espresso would you like some you know, it's like it's nice. It, you're still annoyed, but you're still being nice to your mom. You know, that's it's that's a perfectly written scene. And every single moment they had together, it was written that way. There's a camaraderie. And she you can tell Giorgio really does care about Michael. And that's what I think the flashes are. I think the flashes are her version of Michael Burnham turning on her. And either it's Michael Burnham dead, and that's whose blood it is because she had to be forced to kill her. Or it's her being injured by Taryn Michael Burnham and being traumatized by that. I think it has to be more that because if we remember back to the first season, and for me that's difficult because I haven't watched it in a while, Michael passed herself off as Mirror Michael. So Giorgio must think that Mirror Michael is alive somewhere. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That did work for a while. So then there's something that's going on between that. But I, I think it's associated with Michael. I definitely still think it's associated with, with that experience. Um, we'll just have to wait and find out. But their chemistry is still beautiful, perfect. Giorgio's line about like you had me at, um, oh, what was the line? You had me at uh, unsanctioned mission. Uh, it was so perfect and so beautiful. I, I just want to show with them. Again, just put Philippa and Burnham and Book on a ship with Grudge, and that's the show I want. I'm enjoying that. When the writers get to play with that, great. When the writers go with Burnham and Saru, you just feel the awkwardness. And it's all part of the narrative. I think that's what's so good about it, is that we, the audience, are feeling more at ease when Michael Burnham is at ease. And when Michael Burnham is... is is pushed to be a, a circle in a in a square peg, then we feel that too. So I just want her to be free, to be doing what she feels like she's, she's supposed to be doing. And I think Philippa wants her to do the same thing. I think that's why Philippa really loved this mission and really wanted to do it and really supported Michael because that's the Michael she wants her to be. More like her, more like the rogue, more like the pirate, more like the badass, more like the do what you want, don't care about anybody else's things. Like Presumably more like her, Michael. Yeah, exactly. More like her, Michael. Also, when Giorgio was teasing Michael about book, she said that uh, she said that Philippa wasn't qualified to talk about this because her emotional range is goes from cranky to homicidal. Yep, right before the coffee line. I love that line so much. <laughs> you have no gauge to be talking about this. You go from cranky to homicidal. That's it. 
go just stop talking mom so good it is beautiful and, and even all their banter on the when they're on the planet you can tell the chemistry between these actors are as solid as hell and it just makes me very happy just the look even when burnham made contact with 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 book for the first time that look in burnham's eyes like this is the this is the teams that really work well together so just keep going keep doing that discovery you're making me happy every episode the further you take michael from discovery the happier you make me you know what team also works really well together tilly and saru because that that conversation that saru has with tilly really good yeah, the writing was superb on this episode and definitely with Tilly in that moment. And because they surprised all of us, I think, because I think we all expected what Saru was expecting, which was Tilly to defend Michael and to push that direction. But no, Tilly was like, no, <laughs> we're all working really hard here and Michael's kind of screwing it up. And if, if, if this goes tits up, we're all going to be blamed for it in the same way. So you have to go and do this. It's like, I love her to death, but... And I think that's a really good lesson to be teaching other people where it's like, we need to, yes, love our friends, but when, or love the people around us or people we work with, but when they're not doing something right, then we have to be able to love them, care for them and still call them out on their bullshit. Oh, absolutely. That was a really great way of doing it because you have Michael's best friend in that. And I love Tilly with the cat, which was just awkward and hilarious. Awkward and hilarious, and it's actually a little surprising because Tilly strikes me as a cat person. Tilly looks like a cat person, but I feel like she's she really would be at home with like a medium-sized corgi. Yeah, though. Clearly, Saru was going to Tilly to be talked into not reprimanding Michael and not telling the Admiral. Yeah, and he said it later. And, and uh, again, beautifully written, sad, tragic. You know, it's like you felt like you were a, a five-year-old school child about to be really in trouble by your parents who just got out of a principal's meeting and your mom or dad are just looking down at you with that. Like, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. And that disappointment rant, we all felt it. And Michael deserved it. And she knew she deserved it. She did bad. It's about trust. It's not about what she did. I mean, I think everyone, even, even Saru said it, it's like, it's, I agree with your intentions and your motivations. It's like, that's fine, but you're not talking to me. You're not talking to Tilly. You're not talking to anyone like that. The trust is broken. I think is what was coming across. And she just took it. She just stood there like a child and just took it. And he was very, very upset. He did not want to be doing this. He wanted things to be normal and there is no normal anymore but he really wanted things to be the way he visualized them in his head. Michael as his first officer, them running off and doing Starfleet stuff all the time, being heroes, lighting the way. And Michael's lighting the way in her own way, the way Michael knows how to do, which is take the biggest problem and solve it. That is what Michael knows how to do. That's the only thing Michael knows how to do is take the largest problem and put it all on her shoulders and let her figure it the fuck out until she breaks and, and goes down. I think there's a lot of people who relate to that who are just not necessarily plot hoarders or responsibility hoarders, but just they they need to fix it. They need to fix something and they take it all in. And that's Michael. And that's as a character was solidified in a good narrative way here. I don't have a lot of 
I don't have any snarky Michael comments because they used her appropriately this episode by showing the kind of stuff she's doing and how it doesn't always work the way a large community would do. And Michael kind of is becoming this roguish character. And I think that works so well for her. Let her be this amazing savant can do anything badass, but do it on her own terms. And Saru is kind of disappointed that that's the way she went. I'm not, but it's still sad the way it had to happen. It comes down to Saru being lawful good and, and Michael Burnham being chaotic good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect way of putting it down. Um, their archetypes no longer work and function. I think in the beginning of the series, Burnham was written very much as um, lawful good. So much that she had to stick up her ass. And now I think Saru is complete lawful good. And she is she is definitely moved to the chaotic. Which to me is is good. I like that she's going that direction. But within the context of the universe, that's they're not gonna gel. They can't work in the same world anymore. It does not, yeah, it doesn't work for Starfleet. I think the 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 kind of unfortunate thing is Admiral Vance probably would have okayed this mission if they had both just gone and talked to him. And that's on that's on Saru. And I'm glad that he dressed I'm glad that he dressed Saru down for that because Michael definitely messed up more. Um, but Saru also erred by not trying to take it to the Admiral. Yeah, because Saru feels like he's walking on eggshells. He's like the the I, I want to impress you. I just got here. I, I want you to like me. I want you to like my crew. He is he's very careful. He is tiptoeing, you know, like when he gets home at night because he's the new, you know, house guests and the new roommate and trying not to wake anybody up. And he doesn't want to bother anybody. He doesn't want to bother the admiral. He wants things to 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 just be okay and normal so was saru wrong yes completely wrong he should have gone to admiral vance no matter what the tragedy of it all is if saru had just watched the other star trek series he would understand that captains can be a little flexible well the problem is is that this discovery takes place between so they missed all the other series you know he couldn't watch voyager he couldn't watch deep space nine um, the only show he could watch was Enterprise. Oh, no, that explains so much. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of what happened there, I think. He didn't get the chance to see any of the movies. Um, so that, Saru has missed out on all the education that he probably should have used in order to make better decisions. If the only captain you have to look up to is Jonathan Archer, you're probably in fucking trouble. Yeah, and it's just so... It, 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 yeah, because that's... What did he do? He He didn't really do much of anything. Okay. You and I have to talk about this, obviously. The callback to the self-sealing stem bolts. <laughs> One, I want to know why, what, how did that even get in Michael Burnham's vocabulary? How did she know the self-sealing stem bolts were, or, were a thing in the 24th century? That was, that was a curiosity. And is it still the same self-sealing stem bolts that, that Quark, that not, wasn't Quark, it was Nog and Jake stole? You know, in that in that in that Deep Space Nine episode, I love that they made a little a little uh, cameo in it. Obviously, it was just it was a joke for the fans, but I I died because I love that episode, and honestly, I really hope it is the same shipment of self sealing symbols from Deep Space Nine. 
in my head canon, it is the same same shipment. It's the same thing. It's a, it's the only shipment that still exists. It's like digging up the 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 ET Atari games in the middle of the desert. Like that. That's that's the importance of these self stealing temples. They mattered at some point, and then they didn't matter so much, and they ended up in the scrapyard. But they still matter. Thank you for bringing it to attention. And we got a little like uh, curved phaser thingy. From first contact, that was there. Yeah, that was pretty good. We also got a callback to Giorgio being an engineer when she MacGyvered that weapon together. Mm-hmm. Which I we 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 never got to see fire, right? No, um, we almost did. She was gonna use it, and then she had her little like flash point, and then she dropped it, and then she ended up drop kicking the guy without using the actual weapon. So we actually never got to see it fire. So Tilly mentioned that Giorgio was an engineer in the second episode of the season. Was it ever established before the season that Giorgio was an engineer? Or was Giorgio in the Prime Universe an engineer? I didn't know that Empress Giorgio also just had an engineering background. Yeah, I think this is the first time we heard about it for this Giorgio. And sometimes I think Tilly forgets that Giorgio isn't their Giorgio. So maybe she's responding to like Philippa's... um, original job though i didn't think philippa was an engineer in this timeline either so is it common knowledge that this Giorgio is from the terran universe i don't think so not i i feel like it's not because she when pike left she was like i'm you know like she kind of winked and was like i'm from the terran universe and he's like what terran universe wink wink and because so he was in on the joke he knew but most people on the ship, I don't think know. They just look at her as someone strange from Section 31. That's how I check it. It's like, she's just a freaking, you know, she's M from from 007 movies, from James Bond movies. She's just M. She's, she's an agent or she's something shadowy and creepy and we don't understand it. So I think that explains all the, all the weirdness about it. This just reminds me of like a, like, any of the CW superhero shows where it's like hard to keep track which of the cast like knows the secret identity. And in this case, who knows whether it's uh, this universe, Giorgio or another universe, Giorgio, or is it a, is an alternate timeline, Giorgio? They, they don't know. It's section 31. Now there's, I don't even think the records are, are showing anything because it was all deleted by Starfleet. So anyone can make up whatever they want. I know that the, Federation obviously knows that Giorgio is Terran because they uh, debriefed her differently. But how much of the crew was in on it? Saru knows. Burnham knows. Tilly is sometimes still a question mark to me. I mean, she is she is an ensign, so like I feel like she would probably be the last to know. Yeah, I mean, as she's an ensign that everyone goes to, like she has so much responsibility for an ensign. Ensign Kim didn't have shit compared to what Tilly has. It's, and he was an ensign for 15 million years. I saw someone ask, like, why Why hasn't Tilly gotten promoted yet? It's like, because she should be an ensign for 12 years. So we meet Tolor, who is the baddie of the week, and I guess the nephew of Osira, who apparently is the leader of the Emerald Chain, which they keep bringing up, so I assume it's going to be important. 
Yeah, Osira is a she, and she has a nephew, and he is a green douchebag. He is the kind of guy who, like, just got out of college, had a job from his parents in order to go into work, works for his aunt, who is, like, all in the most amazing, you know, like, high-stakes job. And then on the weekend, he just goes and does a lot of coke and ketamine and pretends to, like, have the greatest life in the universe. This is a douchebag. I I know these people. So every single time that Giorgio berated him just made me feel all warm and gushy inside. He did crumble like a cookie. I literally have in my notes, he totally got this job through nepotism. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's how he did. It was completely that. He's such a fucking douchebag. This guy is a is a is a Trump, essentially. He is he is an homage to um I don't know what the fuck is his name. Yeah, he's like a he's he's like a Donald Trump Jr. or like a Jared Kushner type. He reminds me of Eric. <laughs> he's not even a Donald Trump Jr. That's why I was fumbling with that because I could, that's not the name I want. But he's fucking Eric. <laughs> I didn't talk about it too much in the. I mean, actually, I didn't talk about it at all in the recap. But uh, Rin, the Andorian. Rin was great. I wasn't ex- wasn't expecting to like him at first, and I think he got he became such an interesting character. The sad. I tried to save everybody. The sad revolutionary who didn't make it, who failed, and is now being forced to like brand all of his people who he wanted to save with explosives, you know. And everyone's like, "Oh, look, you're sold out," you know. Like, I don't want to talk to you. It's like, dude, I tried, you know. Like, he tried to save everyone, and it just was so sad. Like, I felt that. I felt it. And when he went for book to save him. Like, oh, like, don't do that. But he's in bed. He's going to be okay. So I hope he's a reoccurring. I hope we get him again. Because there was something really endearing about him. Book mentioned that he grew up in the Emerald Chain. So I actually, I'm pretty sure they might have him reoccur to give information on what's going on with the Emerald Chain. Yeah, I picture him getting debriefed. Yeah, he he getting debriefed somehow um, by the Admiral or by the crew in order to see what's going on there to get some legs up in what the situation is with the Emerald chain. That'd be cool. Also, if anyone's feeling bad about his antenna getting cut off, they will regrow. Do they regrow? I don't remember that. Is that from enterprise? Yes. It, yes. If they, if it like with proper treatment and Dorians can regrow their antenna, it takes like a, like a year or something. So Aww. he'll get them back. Yay. Good boy. Good Rin. Good Rin. He was good. I liked his character. I liked him too. Also, we didn't get much of him because his head blew up, but Lai, the Asian Bajoran. Which I felt like was very ironic. Well, not me ironic, just more of the tragic. Like, of course, the first time we see a Bajoran in this universe, he is oppressed by another force and he must escape at some form of internment camp. And I was like, oh, sad Bajoran life. So sad. Unfortunately, they are the space Jews. They are the space Jews. They really are. They just can't get a break. We got a few references to the Bajoran exchange, so I'm guessing that planet must have been pretty close to Bajor. Yeah, and I'm hoping that there we get a chance to go to the Bajoran exchange and that it maybe the Bajoran exchange is what's left of Deep Space Nine. That would be pretty cool. I would love to see that. And it, it doesn't have to be the same station. It could look like it was like modified from or whatever, um, but... I would love for whatever is left at Deep Space Nine to be this Bajoran exchange and for that to be a hub of activity, like a, a Babylon 5 marketplace in the middle of things. 
which would work very well considering the fact that the two shows are very related you kind of had theorized that the that like starfleet headquarters was close perhaps to bajor the distance like the speed that michael got from federation headquarters to that planet maybe they are actually pretty close to bajor yeah maybe well i will, and I hope to find out i mean there's still so much more to learn about this universe and where we are um i have no because they are not bringing up any familiar planets or systems when they're talking about where they are at so i have no idea where they are in terms of where anything is like are they are they close to where romulus was are they close to the wormhole are they close to the klingon what the formal klingon empire like they're just saying words and Things are far away. I know that, but I have no idea what any, where anything is anymore. So we have a lot to catch up on, obviously. Um, even from Earth, I mean, we—I don't know how far they are from Earth. The the fact that uh, Senatal was in a generational ship on his way back, so he was on Earth for a while. Then he took a ship to leave to go back to the Federation. That ship that Gray and Adira was on was on their way to the Federation. But they they needed a generational ship to get there, so presumably they were traveling at sublight or like very low warp. I mean, they were traveling at sublight because that that asteroid was just wandering through space, and they wouldn't have had to deal with that at warp or or even impulse at that matter. I don't think they were just moving in a very very slow direction, which to me is a little off. Why are we even on a ship at this point? Is this a leisure cruise? Like, what's going on here? So how are you feeling about Adira and Gray? Still love Gray. I love the fact that he was like, come on, can we do something else, please? Like, we're just working here. Like, this, all these things. Let's make another. He's still, he is him. Like, he's not just a ghost apparition pretending. Like, he, I think he is him. As much as possible, this is great having new because his mentality was: I want to have an, I want to have new memories. I want to make new memories. I want to experience something new. Let's do that. I think that was very charming, um, and I think that it's very endearing that the character is very, still very jovial considering the circumstance. Uh, it seems very self aware, um, and I just want to see where this where this relationship is going. I still think Adira has a lot of. She's the reserved one. She's like the almost on the spectrum uh, doing her work mentality about everything. I am so glad that you brought that up. I was actually kind of wondering if you thought that they were coding Adira as on the spectrum, because I've always kind of thought that they coded Stamets that way. And I really like that they're kind of pairing those two characters together. I think so. I think there is something about Adira... There's still so much to learn about Adira in general. Um, there, from from the pronouns that they want to use to 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 character traits. St- we haven't had enough time to really dive into Adira yet and give uh, her the episode that they deserve. But we're still calling her she, um, and we're still learning a- enough about her to like get our 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 handling of it. And I think she is a, a little bit on that spectrum because every single time that they show her, she's working and there's a little bit something like tunnel vision focus there. And I think it's great. I think it's wonderful that they're doing that if that is the direction. And I agree with you that Stamets is definitely in that direction too. And the fact that they're bonding them, I think proves it without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and even still like the first conversation about it that Q was having was, 
you know, like, is it because they're a genius? No, it's because that she lost someone and I want to be there for her. So this is a catharsis beyond that similar spectrum vibe, but all in all, I think that's a good relationship, but I want to see nursed and continue moving forward. How did you like the new sport drive interface? I like it. It's, it makes me think of hand sanitizer. So in this age of COVID, I'm just like, Ooh, lots of hand sanitizer. That's great. It's pretty goopy. Very goofy, but doesn't leave a residue. He doesn't need those shunts in his arms. No, and I thought that was cool that we're that we're bringing his humanity back. I think that was a nice metaphor for that. Like we're we're making this we're making the spore drive more accessible. But if if a deer is able to rip apart the spore drive and and rebuild it in this kind of a way, this should be relatively easy to take the spore drive from the ship and put it in other things now, right? And you get a spore drive. And you get a spore drive. Everyone gets a spore drive. The Federation's back, baby. And that'd be it. That's going to be the solution to this to the Federation coming back is everyone getting a spore drive. So everyone gets shrooms. The end. Thank you. And if that's how Star Trek works, I'll take it. We're just we're just along for the ride. We're, we're not going to we're not going to think too hard about the science. We are going to have a good time. We're just going to be on the Midnight Gospel of the Mycelian Network, baby. <sighs> ah, yeah. We're here for a good time, not a technical manual time. You know what I'm saying? Boom! <laughs> One thing we definitely also need to talk about, Chekhov's Linus. <laughs> wait, wait, Chekhov's Linus? What's, what's Chekhov's? Chekhov's Linus. Him messing with his badge the entire episode and just randomly teleporting in. As soon as Burnham and Book got into that turbo lift, I knew they were going to get interrupted by Linus. You don't set that joke up without doing that. Yes. Okay. Now I understand what you're meaning. <laughs> that running gag was hilarious. And then I was like, you, the moment the music is swelling, you know, the, the, the turbo lift is steamy. The, you know, Burnham has that look in her eyes that like you've seen since episode three. And you're just like, it's finally going to happen. Just do it. Just do it, girl. Just do it. This isn't the science lab. They're trying to, they're trying to fix your, uh, your lack of, alien problem on discovery they're all just going to be blindness everywhere they're just that that it's not just we have one alien but he really is everywhere trust me just seems like we have 20 what species is linus again he's a saurian you have so many saurians on the ship now it's just the one he's just bouncing everywhere I love it. I think he was adorable. He's a, he's adorable. And just when you were waiting for that moment to end and for the for the moment not to matter, like it just happened anyway. And I thought that was great because again, it needed to happen. It has needed to happen. I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that Book and Burnham finally got there. Good job. I, you know, I've been on this ship. Like I, I've been loving on the. I, I, what was the line that she said that I I didn't love on this ship because I had my own. That was a cute Freudian slip. Whenever their dialogue is playing against each other, I just find it amazing and adorable. Before we talk about the preview for the next episode, I have a concern. I am concerned that the Admiral knows what caused the burn. And I say this because at the in the last scene, when Michael Burnham is expressing that she believes that the importance of knowing like what happened with the burn is just it's vital to the Federation moving forward. The camera pans to him and he has this oof kind of look on his face. I am I am very worried that the burn is an inside job. I don't disagree with that logic because I think basically Starfleet should know something by now, right? It's been a few hundred years. Starfleet should know something. 
But everyone's just like, yeah, you know, it's just so many theories. Just, you know, whatever. We just don't know. We don't like talking about it. In fact, you shouldn't talk about it. In fact, don't do anything about anything about it. We're cool. You're cool. You're cool. Good. Because we don't want to have a problem. <laughs> oh, I don't mean a problem with you. I just mean we're very busy here and we have things going on and we don't want you exploring any of the other rooms in the house that you shouldn't be looking at. Not that there's anything wrong with those rooms, but just seriously, don't go into those rooms that will kill you. I really hope that we get a satisfactory answer on the burn. And I hope that it's not Starfleet. And I also hope that it's not related to Michael Burnham or Michael Burnham's mom at all. If she caused this somehow, it's going to undo a lot of my goodwill. No, I know. Basically, if if she caused it or if, or if, yeah, if her mom caused it, if a Burnham caused this and it's called the burn, the Burnham, the Burnham. Oh no, it's been in front of us the entire time. Of course it was Michael Burnham. Of course. She's responsible for everything. 9-11, Michael Burnham. COVID-19, Michael Burnham. The burn, Michael Burnham. Oh, I spilled my beer. It must be Michael fucking Burnham. Thanks, Burnham. I would prefer if a wizard did it. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the preview for next week? Um, the previews next week, I just, I need, I need more. I need more information about how this is going to go. I want to know, they gave us just enough to be like, Vulcans, Rymelins, they're involved. And that's it. Like, it's, they're torches. They're tiki torches. I know that. <laughs> so I am keeping a lot of my thoughts and expectations in the check. Because I don't know what's going to happen. And because this episode has so much weight on the title alone. Absolutely. Like we we talked about this in our first episode. Like we have been waiting for this. And I am hopeful that we will find that the Vulcans and Romulans have come together in like the interceding 800 years. What I am worried about, based on the trailer, we see Vulcans and we see Romulans separately if michael is the one that unifies the vulcans and the romulans i am going to pull my hair out and scream i would love to agree with that sentiment but i shaved my head and i have no hair that's true you you went full cisco yeah i went full cisco but if if michael burnham achieves what spock did not then i'm going to get very drunk that night and uh i'm going to cry I, I, it's gonna it's it's a real heavy thing at the end of the day if burnham is still like she is a science officer now only why is she going on a diplomatic mission send tilly send reese send fucking ptsd detmer N- don't send detmer <laughs> send linus linus is the hero we need if anyone's gonna bring peace between these two it's gonna be linus though i think and i'm hoping i'm hoping this is just a misdirect because of the way they edited the trailer, because I think Michael Burnham's leaving Discovery. What she's doing with the Vulcans and the Rymans before then, I don't know, or how she's involved somehow, but I think that speech is more associated with her leaving and not associated with them. To give her just the little tiniest bit of credit, she did grow up on Vulcan, so that could explain why she is a part of this mission. That is fair. That is very fair. That is the only reasonable explanation for it. But we'll see. We'll see next week. Prove us wrong, Michael. But also don't be the solution to every every single problem.
<laughs> don't be the reason for every problem and don't be the solution to every problem. All right. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Trek in pod and feel free to send us any questions, concerns, comments, complaints at the Trek in pod at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. Thank you for listening. And we will trek in with you next week. Hailing the frequencies closed. Good night.